Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. And welcome back in. It is the third and final hour on Monday. And when that is the case, hold on here because I got to do this here. That means it is time for us to turn on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. And See, I finally figured out how to do that transition. Uh, took me a little bit. I learned um, there's a lot to it. Making the transition smooth. It is. In a lot of ways, the computer can save you, but in a lot of ways, you can very easily screw it up and, you know, expose that you need the computer to save you. So, uh, but thank you again for filling in last week. Uh, as I was saying, you know, it's it's one thing when you know about it and you have time to prepare and plan things out. It's another thing when somebody just drops it on you and, and you responded admirably. Thank you so much for, for doing that. Uh, it's my pleasure, Tim, especially that first uh, uh, the you called that night, and then it was the next morning. That that one was the, the most challenging because I wasn't sure what I was going to do. But um, uh, I just want to say, the listeners in the WBSM family and all the different types of people that called me, um, long-time listeners, new listeners, uh, conservatives, liberals, it, it, uh, friends of mine, it, it really was just um, a pleasure. And I, I it really... What I decided was that this station really is about the callers and the, and the conversation that takes place. It's the community forum, and um, I was just honored to be able to be part of that because it, it really, you, you really find that there are all kinds of people, and if you treat them with respect, they usually treat you with respect back, no matter how strong they feel about different issues, and, and I, I, I just loved it. The, the nature of the, of the business is there's always going to be you know, the people that are going to call and say something dumb and just hang up the phone. Like that's always going to happen. But when talk radio is at its best, it's fostering the kind of conversation that you would want to have with your neighbor, that you'd want to have with your friends. And it's just giving us a place to do that because unfortunately not everybody's neighbor cares about the things that we all care about. So if, you know, let's just say the star store, for example, is something that you are upset about. You walk out and you see your neighbor in their yard next to you and you say, what do you think of that star store? And they say, I don't know anything about that. And they walk back into the house. But here are people that have, you know, they kind of have a place to kind of commune and to, to at least vent it, even if it's something like that, where I'm sure, you know, as, as your coverage is showing, it's starting to show like, is there anything that we can really do here? Is there anything that's really going to happen out of this? So it becomes less about, you know, action and just having a place to commiserate. Yeah. This, this is a place for people who are interested in politics and people who are interested in New Bedford, greater New Bedford. 
And so I, I found that people really had all kinds of insights and, and thoughts and information about the history of the Star Store. Um, and I think that people are upset about what happened and they want to know if anything can be done. Uh, I hope it, it can, but we're not sure. Um, but people are paying attention and they know the way the rest of the state thinks about us in Greater New Bedford. And they, and they know what they expect of their elected officials regarding that. And, and I think there's, you know, there's some people who don't care about the Star Store who yep. are saying, like, why is Jack championing this so much? But <laughs> it's not only that. And, and, of course, because you care about it and because you care about having that arts presence in downtown New Bedford. And, but there's also the other side of this, too, of, well, why did it get to this point when this was something that was supposed to be kind of automatic this was something that was supposed to be expected. Why did these politicians drop the ball? Why did the university drop the ball? And as you said, what does this show about how New Bedford fares in the eyes of the greater Commonwealth overall? And, and it's not just the um, arts campus. It's also downtown New Bedford's future. It's, it's the future of the city and how what kind of people are going to be there, what kind of people are not going to be there, and how economic development does in the city. I figured I was passionate about that issue, so it was good to go with my passion. We did talk a lot about immigration. Um, uh, I had all kinds of callers. I, uh, John even called about um, something that he, he saw on, on Tucker Carlson's show about uh, President Obama. So we had a mix of things. But I, I went with what I had written about that week and what I feel strongly about. And I, I, I think people uh, uh, understood it. And, and, and I, I think you have it. to look, and I mentioned this last week, you have to kind of look at this as saying, well, Okay, here we are worried about where balls were dropped with this supposed, you know, what was supposed to become a state-owned building, and but something that was supposed to benefit the area. And we should really be concerned about how this all went down when we have another huge state project on tap with State Pier. So, you know, and already questions about that and about the process of that. So it's just kind of indicative and it's, it's, it's exemplary of where New Bedford might fall in the pecking order yeah. of things. Also, we, the largest building in downtown New Bedford, as of now, is empty. It's empty with no plans for its future. We have the Citerian Theater a block away. You know, we know, I was here 24 years ago when New Bedford, you could go up from one end of Union Street to the other, and Jimmy Connors Irish Pub was the only thing that was open. You go from one end of Purchase Street to the other in Elaine's T-shirt. This is before No Problemo, before the Green Bean, before Destination Soups, before all these places that have the, the dress shops and the the uh, uh, galleries have all come in. I was here, you know, when that was the case. And people say, oh, well, the artists are here now. The artists are here because many of them came to school at the Star Store. Many of them came to school at UMass Dartmouth, and they stayed. They built a career here. They're teaching schools. They're running businesses. They're doing their art. Um, oh, maybe not immediately, but over the next 10 years, if you have no arts college, uh, things will be different. You know, it, it, it's not automatic. Well, and that's, that's you brought up something that I just want to bring up because it's something that we haven't really talked about is we're now going to have this prolonged shutdown of the Zyterian Theater. And so we already have that was going to have an effect on downtown New Bedford. As much as some folks don't want to believe that it, it actually is as uh, much of, a, of an influence in downtown New Bedford, it really is. Yeah. Any night that there's a show down there, it's bringing business into the downtown yeah. area. 
And sure, there's people who say, well, I never go to the Zyterian and I, I never went to the Star Store galleries. Uh, so what do I care? Uh, I, don't, I, I live in the far north end or, 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 or whatever. Well, when you have people running successful businesses in downtown New Bedford, because the Zyterian is there, because the Star Store is there, that helps you with your taxes. That helps you with your economic development. You know, you don't live in a vacuum. We, we live in, in Greater New Bedford or South Coast, if you will. So... Uh, I don't get it. Uh, There does seem to be some level of anti-arts feeling in the city. Maybe people feel that those are the pointy-headed intellectuals. I don't like that crowd. But that there is some level of... You hear it on the city council sometimes. Why does everything go to the Zyterian? Why does everything go to the downtown? And um, I don't think everything does go there. We've had major renovations on Cushnet Avenue in the North End. Um, the Strand Theater is now going to be um, renovated. Uh, we've had efforts to have, um, we have built a new school in the, on the peninsula, building another new school in Ashley, outside of Ashley Park. Um, so it's not just to the downtown that things go, but you don't need to um, look down on the downtown or, or not like the downtown as if it's not part of you. It's part of you. It's part of where you live. And it's fine because, you know, on, on Friday I had my weekly conversation with the city councilors and Councillor Burgo was on and he was, you know, as somebody who housing is his number one concern and number one priority and, you know, any empty building that shows up in the city, he's immediately trying to think of how it could be used for housing. Even he was saying, you know, the Star Store has to stay. The the, the CVPA has to stay. So some people have said, uh, Representative Markey among them, let's let's make it housing. Uh, uh, the mayor has mentioned that if we can't get the Star Store back, maybe Noah could go there. Th- those are both the wrong attitude, in my opinion. In my opinion, the right attitude is, well, first of all, the, the amount of maintenance keeps going up and up. At the, at the start of this conversation, the beginning of the summer, it was $50 million in maintenance it needed. Now, all of a sudden, it's $70 million. So I'm a little bit skeptical of the, of the figures that UMass Dartmouth is throwing out. They broke a bunch of stuff on the way out. Yeah, and, and also, there was $54 million that went to develop, develop a downy and $9 million that went to the university for common maintenance these past 20 years. Why wasn't some of it done? And if it needs all this maintenance... It's going to need all that maintenance to be made into housing or to be made into offices, too. So making the numbers work for any development project are the same as making the numbers work for the college. So why get rid of the college? Well, Uh, because that's coming out of state money to do that as opposed to a private developer buying it. Yes, yes. Uh, But but what both uh, Senator Martigny and Senator Rodericks have said is the university just isn't into it. They just don't want, they're just not that into an arts college. They want to be a big research university. They want to uh, attract all these international kids, which the graduate schools at UMass Dartmouth are increasingly international kids because the tuition is such that uh, your local kids can't afford it that easily. And they're also setting a standard of what it is to get in, which is, I would argue, a little bit far from the traditional mission of a public university. But, you know, there's, there's, there's been long efforts to, to um, even Santa Martigny says in the beginning, getting Peter Cressy, the chancellor 20 years ago, to l- make it into a downtown campus was hard. Even though when they merged with the Swain School, they used to be on Purchase Street where the Quest Center is now. That was the original College of Visual and Performing Arts. So, you know, this ambivalence um, in the, on the university's part about the fine arts, about liberal arts... They will make the argument that kids can't make a living. I think it's hard for kids out of college 
getting that first job, it takes three, four, five years to establish yourself. It's always been hard to make a living. Majoring in the arts is not about that. The arts brings us something that allows us to critically think, that allows us to look at life a certain way. And there's value in that, the history of Western civilization. If we walk away from our own history, our own culture, God help us. Like, you know, you can always specialize in a, in a postgraduate degree or, or whatever, even concurrently in some sort of practical matter. But, you know, I mean, if we're only going to have fashion design and interior design, um, I, I'm skeptical that the fine arts are going away. Things like ceramics, painting, um, weaving, they've been around for thousands of years. I, I just don't think that they're going anywhere. I think people like those things. But if the school doesn't want to have the campus there, and if the school doesn't want to put the effort behind putting on those programs, what can be done? Can well, it who, who, who does the public university of Massachusetts work for? The public university is part of the state government. They created them. They created them and they direct them. The legislature and the governor, they keep saying, if they don't want to be there, nothing we can do. That is not true. You can defund UMass Dartmouth. Scott Lang has said that to, to, to me. We, we, we have stopped playing hardball in this delegation. Why? I don't know. I mean, UMass Boston played hardball delegation when they got the same treatment. They, they had a vote of no confidence in, in um, uh, uh, President Meehan. Why is there no one down here calling for a vote of no confidence in President Meehan, a vote of no confidence in Chancellor Fuller? You know, I think this argument that the school doesn't want it is, is, is bogus. It's bogus. I mean, the school is part of the state government. That, that would be like saying, well, if the um, uh, Department of Housing doesn't want to do housing anymore in Massachusetts, only wants to do housing in the suburbs, not in the cities, you know, the, the Department of Housing of the state of Massachusetts, well, that, that's up to them. You know, that would be like saying if the, if the state police only want to, want to police in the suburbs, not in the city, that's up to them. That's a ridiculous argument. So the real problem here is there's pressure that should be being applied to them that's not being applied to them. That's right. It's three weeks now. The governor has said nothing. It was very interesting. Senator Montigny's statement, which was in my column last week, uh, uh, Representative Cabral had issued a carefully worded statement saying the governor had agreed to schedule a meeting. In fact, it's been a week and a half since Cabral's statement. There's been no meeting scheduled yet. Uh, Montigny also pointed out that Mayor Lang's, uh, former Mayor Lang's suggestion that Paul Downey be in, uh, and the university be included in negotiations would not work because Downey has as much as threatened to sue this, the state. And um, as far as uh, uh, the suggestion of uh, Mayor Lang that the city buy the building, Montigny pointed out that the... Um, uh, city owned the building and, and sold it to Downey for a buck 20, 25 years ago. So, uh, you know, the, the delegation clearly is not united. Tony Cabral's letter to the governor, state representative Marky and Strauss didn't sign it. There is ambivalence about this um, in the community. I don't understand it, but there's ambivalence. It seems like the students are, you know... In, so, in some ways resigned to this is just what they've got to do, um, but also not willing to give up the fight. How much, and I know that you've been in contact with some of the students, how much are you hearing from them about, you know, is there any kind of boycott planned or any kind of protest planned where they're just not going to pay their tuition bills because they're not getting what they're promised? Well, look, the students have paid big money to, to major in, in different things at the art store, and now they're not getting what they paid for. 
the attitude among the students that I'm hearing now is we need to get back to our studies. You know, we, we pay the money anyway. By the way, in my column last week, you may have read that the Bed Bath & Beyond campus is not even ready. Right. So the semester started last week, and they have no place for classrooms, no place for creative work. The looms are not set up. The kilns are not set up. They have paid their money. I mean, I, I, I can see a class action suit coming from the students. Whether they're interested in that, I don't know. I get a vibration from both the um, students and the faculty that they feel like we've done our part. It's the politicians that haven't done their part. So I think that they had the rally. You know, only only um, City Councilor Ian Abreu and Shane Burgo sent his regrets. Mayor Mitchell sent his regrets. He was in Portugal. Tony Cabral sent his regrets. He was in the Azores. They were both in the Azores. That's okay. But I just have the feeling that the students and the faculty made this a priority. The faculty, by the way, is terror, terrified of speaking publicly against the university lest they lose their jobs. I thought a university was supposed to be a free exchange of ideas. And now you have a faculty that can't talk to the press because they're afraid that their contracts won't be renewed. That's what we've come to. So I, I, I just think that this idea that, that um, it's anybody but Marty Me and the, 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 the primary mover, Mark Fuller, the primary mover, Paul Downey, the primary mover, and the ineptitude of the local politicians in fighting them is, is not reading this correctly. So has there been, I know that when you wrote the column, there was no kind of an idea of when those classrooms would be ready in the Bed Bath & Beyond building. Have you heard anything about what that might be? And what are the students yeah. doing in the meantime? Are they just not having those classes or are they putting them in a classroom situation or what's, so what's happening? I spoke to Fallon Navarro, uh, just this great ceramic student who has been so helpful to getting information out there. And she said that they were told it will be at least two weeks before the space was ready. Now, now keep in mind, the semester is still ticking away. Mm -hmm. so, so they're paying for two weeks where they won't be in classrooms, at least. And they have not been giving any firm date yet. Uh, they are being scheduled on field trips and different things. It, it almost sounds like make work yeah. stuff uh, for them. It's, it's 2023. They can do some work at home in this day and age. You know, uh, I mean, by the way, the idea that the fine arts are not involved with the digital world is ridiculous. A, a lot of the uh, planning and stuff like that goes on digitally now. Um, a lot of the, the way that they program the, the kilns are, are, are different things. So these kids are, are every bit as digitally savvy as anybody else. They're not some dinosaur throwback to a, a different era. That, that, that's a canard also. I've seen dinosaurs try to do pottery. It doesn't work out so well. <laughs> Their arms are too short. Uh, we got to take a break here. Uh, if anybody has any questions, comments, thoughts, 508-996-0500. You can also send them via app chat on the WBSM app or by open line voicemail. Uh, we are turning on the light with Jack Spillane, and we'll be right back in just a few moments. And uh, we are going to be going into the newsroom in just a moment with Adam. But before that, uh, now yesterday, I know the Patriots game didn't go exactly the way they might want to go but come on they went up against one of the best teams in the nfl a super bowl contender and they held their own pretty well i mean i know it didn't start off really so great but hey listen it's all about baby steps this year as uh, they're bringing in the new offensive well new old offensive coordinator in bill o'brien and getting mac jones back to where they want him to be and you get to see the next step in that process the first AFC East game of the season. Catch the New England Patriots taking on the Miami Dolphins this coming Sunday, September 17th. Kickoff here on WBSM is at 8.20 p.m. 
And that means pregame will start at 5.20 p.m. So it'll be a night game, a Sunday night game here on WBSM. You'll get to hear it all in its entirety, brought to you by our great sponsors, Shooting Supply, Primacare, and D&J Enterprises. So uh, tune into that again, 5.20 pregame, 8.20 kickoff, Patriots, Dolphins, and you know how it goes with those games, especially those AFC East games. They never go the way that you expect them to go. So the Patriots could do a, a lot for themselves by getting a win this coming Sunday, and you can listen to it here on WBSM. Jack and I are going to take a break now for the news. Adam's going to give you all the headlines of the day. When we come back on the other side, we have a phone call. If you can just hang on till we get back, we will take you right after the news, and we also have room for you at 508-996-0500. If you can't call in, you can send in those app chat messages, and we will read those on the air as well. But we will co- incorporate you into the discussion as soon as we come back from the news, but we want you to be able to get all of the headlines of the day. So let's go into the newsroom right now with Adam Bass. Rescue efforts are ongoing in Morocco days after a magnitude 6.8 earthquake rocked the North African country. More than 2,100 people are confirmed dead and the toll is expected to rise. Thousands were injured as the quake was the strongest to hit the nation in more than a century. Morocco's King Mohammed VI ordered mosques nationwide to hold funeral prayers on Sunday. Offers of assistance have been pouring in from around the world, including the United States. A Republican congressman is urging party members to be cautious when considering an impeachment inquiry against President Biden. Arkansas Congressman French Hill said on CBS's Face Nation that investigations into the business dealings involving the Biden family are not close to being complete. Hill cautioned House Speaker Kevin McCarthy not to, quote, repeat the mistakes he believes former Speaker Nancy Pelosi made in pursuing then-President Trump's two impeachments. Senate Republicans acquitted Trump on both occasions. 22 years later, nearly as many FDNY members have died from 9-11-related illnesses as those who lost their lives that fateful day. Kristen Marks reports. Just days before the anniversary of the terrorist attacks, the FDNY revealed the addition of 43 members who died of illnesses related to their rescue and recovery efforts to the World Trade Center Memorial Wall. These 43 individuals possess bravery and dedication. They honored their oath. Chief of Department John Hodgins said it was the second largest group of names added to the wall since it was created in 2011. And the total number is expected to only keep rising. The FDNY lost 343 members on 9-11. Kristen Marks, NBC News Radio, New York. A GOP presidential hopeful is criticizing a Republican senator for his actions. Trey Thomas has more. Speaking on CNN State of the Union, former U.N. Ambassador Nikki Haley said Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville is wrong to put holds on U.S. military promotions. If you love our military, if you are so adamant about it, then go and make Congress. Republicans and Democrats have to go through person by person. Tuberville has put holds on more than 300 officers in protest of the government allowing paid leave and reimbursement for travel for military members who want to get an abortion. I'm Trey Thomas. And Apple is set to unveil the latest iPhone Tuesday at the company's annual launch event. They're calling the event, quote, Wanderlust, and it's expected to show off the new iPhone 15, along with other new Apple products, including the latest Apple Watch and AirPods. The event is set for 10 a.m. Pacific time and will be streamed on YouTube and the Apple TV app.
In sports, the Boston Red Sox defeated the Orioles yesterday 7-3. The Sox will host the New York Yankees today at Fenway Park for a game at 7-10 p.m. And the New England Patriots began their season with a loss against the Philadelphia Eagles yesterday. The score was 25-20. And now here's your ABC6 local weather forecast. First half, a cloudy and humid day. Once again, we'll see some scattered showers and thunderstorms that'll be developing as we get into the afternoon hours and high temperatures climbing all the way to the upper 70s. For tonight, a shower or two around in the evening and then remaining cloudy with some patchy fog and another warm muggy night ahead of us with lows dropping back to around 67 degrees. For your Tuesday, we'll see partial sunshine. I think we'll have a dry day for a change, but it will still stay on the humid side. Look for highs again in the upper 70s. Heading into Wednesday, though, the showers and thunderstorm threat returns with temperatures in the mid-70s. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Bill Guile on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. It is currently 72 degrees right now in New Bedford. I'm Adam Bass, WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM, and get breaking news alerts and podcasts with the WBSM app. Get breaking news alerts, stream audio, send us text messages, and get live traffic and weather updates all on the WBSM app. Download it now from your app store or at WBSM.com. And welcome back. We are turning on the light with Jack Spillane of New Bedford Light. Uh, Jack, we got a couple calls here. Want to jump into those? All right. Good morning. You are on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hey, good morning. What's on your mind? Yeah, I'm just considering the fact that now that uh, tuition money seems to be... uh, more about I owe my uh, professorship, I owe my uh, uh, teachers, my faculty a living. Just like my tax money owes a living to my elected officials. Uh, you know, it's uh, payroll and pensions and um, control and power. And uh, I support it and I fuel it uh, with my raising taxes. Uh, i just like to segue and say, thank God we got Proposition 2.5, isn't it, with all these immigration illegals coming in. Boy, would you be selling your house today if you didn't have 2.5 to protect you. But uh, here we go again. Now, I understand as a taxpayer, it's my job to give a living to these elected officials. That's my own sole purpose. It's pension and payroll. I understand that. But sometimes when there's a little bit of money left, though, you got to do the right thing. And in this case, with the education system, it looks like tuition money now is in the same under the same umbrella. Uh, you know, you're, you're paying for the faculty, you're paying for the teacher to tell you to learn your stuff and teach your stuff, and at the same time, you're being told, "No, we're not going to provide the kilns, we're not going to do this, we're not going to do it in this particular case with the arts." Sounds like they're not even getting taught anything right now. For. Everything's paid for. The kids are willing to learn. They want to expand their lives and everything. And the small-minded people who are getting all the money, their tuition money, because. The kids owe them a living. They're not getting it. I mean, everybody can have, this could be a happy situation. But everybody's on vacation overseas and here and about and everything else. And uh, Galvin's been governing more than uh, Driscoll and Healy. Uh, so uh, the long and the short of it is, is that it's not about a one-party system. It's about an attitude that my taxes is because you're like a welfare case, you politicians, you grifters. And my tax money, basically, even in city government, state government, federal government, is to give you a living and a, and a better health plan than I got and everything else. And that's my public service to you. Where's your public service to me? Mm-hmm. And this case exemplifies the fact that tuition money is, is really a scam. It's inflated, tuitions are inflated to provide a living for the people 
sticking it to you. Hey, thank you. All right. Thank you. Have a good day. 508-996-0500. Good morning. You're next on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. Good morning, Jack. Hi there. How are you? I, um, I do understand that it's very disappointing for um, specifically the students and the whole town, you know, the whole citywide um, effect that that school had in the center of downtown. But I just find it so um, kind of hard to believe how there's so much outrage about this one particular art student center when I understand the circumstances were different during the pandemic, but there were a lot of people trying to say this will affect the education of young children as well as college-age students when you just shut everything down. I happened to have a, a student who was finishing high school during the pandemic and starting college during the pandemic, and they can't redo any of that. You do not necessarily get the same education online, especially in certain um, disciplines. You know, you just don't. So all of the people that you're going to have in healthcare are going to have missed quite a bit in class um, learning and in clinical experience. So I just thought there should be more outrage because those were not the uh, demographics that were as affected by it. Yes, their professors and teachers and everything might have been a little bit more at risk. But as we find out now, you know, that's the field that's going to be out there hired for the next few years in every field at your dentist office, at your doctor's office, educators, everything. And they've lost so much. But I, I and think... there wasn't the outrage. I think part of the difference is with that, every student wasn't allowed to go on campus. Every student had to be in that situation. So it wasn't just taking this one particular discipline, this one particular field of study and saying, you guys have to suffer uh, while everybody else has a classroom and has and is able to, to, to learn what it is that they're there to learn. This is a matter of I one particular like, group is being singled out and that's that's wrong. But I get what you're saying, but they're, they're not being told, go home, figure it out yourself, teach yourself how to become a nurse without going to clinical they're being afforded another opportunity it might not be the location and the precision with which it was you know done before but they have an opportunity there to go to another location and i don't think that is as detrimental to their overall college experience as it is to stay home and try to make yourself into a pharmacist. I, I don't know. I, th I think trying to compare, you know, what's obvious, a university saying, we don't care about these students that have already given us money for something that, you know, we promised them that they could be able to have. And comparing that to a pandemic is not exactly an apples well, apples I, thing. I get that the pandemic, but there were a lot of parents that did not get any compensation from these schools that are raking in, let's face it, a boatload of cash. And when there was no clinical experience and there was no in-school in learning, there was no compensation. Mm -hmm. There was no compensation for any of it. And, and so basically, I feel like it was thievery, you know what I mean? Those yeah, surely there, there could have been you know, future tuition breaks or some tuition reimbursements or something for that. Yeah, right, I and then overall, once you graduate and you've got to pass national registry exams and whatnot, you're not necessarily in the best 
light. I get, I get that it was nationwide, but they're going to graduate those kids and they're eventually going to pass those exams. But when you miss that much, uh, you know, mm-hmm. that's what's going to be out there, yeah. you know, serving us. So I, it, it's scary. All right, Tim. All right. I, thank you. So uh, I, I, um, <laughs> sometimes it's hard to discuss, you know, if, if the person doesn't take a breath, but, but, uh, um, I think there are some studies out there that show that kids that had to learn at home during the pandemic did not get the same learning experience that they would have gotten. However, it was the first pandemic in a hundred years that was going to affect all of society. It was very lethal. We did not know what we were dealing with. And I think the public officials did the best they could. If they had not done something like that, shut everything down, including the schools, then they would have been criticized. Because they shut everything down, they were also criticized. My uh, statement to the call would be that I think that they could have given those kids an extra year. Now, they talked about that, you know, repeating the year for everyone from grade kindergarten to you know, postgraduate, repeating the year so the people who lost out could make out. That would be an enormous cost to the to, to the uh, education system, which means the taxpayers. You know, taxpayers are not unlimited in their resources. resources. I think that we probably should have found a way to do it, but we didn't. As far as comparing it to what's happened to, to the Star Store kids in UMass, it's a totally different situation. As, as you point out, this is one group of, of majors at UMass Dartmouth that have had their facilities taken away from them, you know, in a very abrupt manner that didn't have to be so abrupt. Many people have said, you know, they had been there up until the day they were taken out, but the the, the lease had ended a, a full year before. So the, the, the university was quite content to have them there for a time. And if the lease had been renewed, have them there again. So why could they have not worked out a six-month lease while well, they made some sort of transition for these kids. You didn't like when I used the word, but I used the word fraud. So <laughs> let's uh, let's take one more quick call before we got to go to a break. Good morning. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hey, good afternoon. Good morning, gentlemen. Sorry. <laughs> I'm ahead of myself today. Hey, I just wanted to bring up the point. Jack made a bunch of great comments that I wanted to touch on. He talked about the residents of New Bedford and why there isn't such an uproar. There isn't such an uproar because, unfortunately... We, uh, as residents of New Bedford, don't have the time to enjoy some of the things that are downtown because we're too busy working, so on and so forth, uh, to be able to enjoy that. We live in in a community right now that is struggling, you know, and what I find funny is UMass definitely has the money to upkeep, to do the upkeep and all of that. However, the reason why they don't want to put the money into it is they're relying on the state to cover the bill welfare right so what i find funny is that people always complain about individuals who need the extra support yet you have these uh these corporations and schools constantly with their handout and nobody bats an eyelash another topic that you brought up or comment is uh jack was that you said if we forget about the history of this community we're going to be in a world of hurt and I, I agree with you, and that is why I feel so strongly about those windmills. Um, you know, again, we're forgetting our history and where we came from and what made this community such a great, wealthy community. And then finally, I also wanted to talk about uh, the pay that these professors, how come nobody's getting a pay cut? How come it's like give, 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 that everybody wants the people, of the, the citizens of New Bedford to, like, 
be in an uproar and everybody, but yet they don't talk about pay cuts. It's And that's the gripe that I have with Elizabeth Warren. She talks about colleges and how, uh, you know, the fees and tuition, blah, 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 but yet she was part of the problem, getting paid 250 grand a class. So, you know, we could sit here and argue all day long and go back and forth, but at the end of the day, these are people who are doing the best for themselves, and they don't care about anybody else. And going back to the original topic about the people of New Bedford, that's why we're not downtown. That's why we can't enjoy some of the things, because we're so busy working that we don't have time to enjoy those things, which is why we don't fight for them, because if we were able to enjoy these things, we would have more of an emotional attachment and go down there and fight, so on and so forth. So... All right. Anyway, have a great day, guys. Thank you for the call. And yeah, the, so the caller, um, I, I think, is an example of, I, I understand his points, but he's an example of the ambivalence about the downtown in the arts in the city. A lot of people feel it's for the elite, that the um, Zaitarian and the Whaling Museum and uh, the uh, College of Visual and Performing Arts are for people from the suburbs, people from, from Padenarum and Mattapoisett. And that's, I know the Z in particular has done a lot of blue-collar programming. The Zaitarian showed Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. for 80 cents a ticket. Yeah, and, and, and they have those programs constantly. And I, I went to see a Queen replica band there this summer. So the, these programs are there, and I would submit that um, the working people of New Bedford do find places to go for entertainment and recreation. They go where they where they enjoy things. If they don't enjoy the things that are downtown, then maybe downtown needs to look at doing some more things. But I don't think that everybody in New Bedford is so busy that they can't take a, a Friday night out to go out to eat or go to a concert or something like that. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of blue-collar people do. Look at how busy the restaurants are. Look at how much those shows at the Z sell out. So we do have to take a break. We'll be back in just a few moments. <laughs> All right. We have some more calls coming in, Jack, but I do have one more break I got to take before the end of the program. So we're just going to ask people to kind of get quick with their questions or their points. 508-996-0500. You were on with Jack Spillane. Hello. Hello. Well, call me Ishmael because it hasn't <laughs> changed since the days of Herman Melville writing about New Bedford uh, in Moby Dick. Uh, we're still an outcast. We're still um, you know, on the outskirts of things. The only thing I'd like to say uh, to you guys is thank you for providing a forum about this because we don't really have a newspaper anymore. And if it wasn't for uh, New Bedford Light and w- uh, Station WBSM, uh, you know, all of this would, it would be silence about this. And it's, it's good that you guys have provided a forum to let, you know, the people have some say about the, the awful thing that's going on there. I, I just want to thank this caller, who, whose name I think is Joe. Uh, he always has thoughtful comments. You can tell he thinks things through for himself. He doesn't make up his mind, you know, because this group says this or that group says that. You know, so I, I think, I think and, and you're just one of the many thoughtful callers we have, uh, Joe. So I think there's a lot on. of thoughtful people in New Bedford, but unfortunately we, we, we get looked upon as if we're not thoughtful. We're just uh, blue-collar guys and everything. My parents were blue-collar. Uh, because there was a state college system, I was allowed to go to school and learn some of these things I'm saying. And it's too bad that the new people that are coming in will not be afforded the same opportunity by UMass, I'll call it South Coast. Because maybe not every one of those young people coming in now, the DACA kids and stuff, will want to go on the fishing boats or work in the factories or do the jobs that nobody wants. 
uh, maybe they would want to go on to uh, do something else. And there's nothing wrong with the factory jobs. I came from factory people, okay? But, uh, you know, uh, it, it, it's just uh, too bad that, you know, le plus que change, le plus que même chose. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Okay, guys, take care. All right, thank you. Have a good Thanks. day. And uh, let's take a call here. Good morning. You're on next with Jack Spillane. Good morning. Oh, that's the easy one. <laughs> All right. Why don't we uh, get in that last break? When we come back, we can talk about some of the great stuff you can check out at newbedfordlight.org. And welcome back in. Jack, what are some of the great things that people can read about at newbedfordlight.org right now? Well, we've just begun a big series on addiction. Um, uh, and we had a great story by uh, uh, Grace Ferguson last week about how the addiction rate in New Bedford is twice the rate of the state. And uh, also about how fentanyl is so much more dangerous than, than heroin ever was. And how, you know, people think that you know, about 10 years ago, you had all this coverage of addiction and how terrible the problem was and what a scourge it was. But the problem is worse now. And we don't hear as much about it. And I guess part of that is because people can only hold their focus on a problem for so long and they want to talk about anything else. But um, so Grace is, and some of our other reporters, we've had a great story about a Dartmouth woman who lost two sons to addiction. And um, it just is just um, very powerful stuff. So I, I, I advise you to go to the New Bedford Light dot org website. It's always free if I can make a plug. And mm-hmm. um, uh, uh, it's a great series. And uh, we have about a minute left. You want to give us any preview of what you're working on? Well, you know, I I, I was tempted actually to, to to start to go away from the Star Store because uh, you know, I, I, you get the feeling that either that uh, it's over, that they're just doing grandstanding as far as saving it. But I do think there are some things in the work, and I think that there was more to be said about um, uh, fine arts colleges and and the need for a college in downtown New Bedford. And so I think I I may stay with it one more week if people have the patience. All right. Well, uh, that'll do it for us for this week. Uh, You can check out all of Jack's work at newbedfordlight.org. I'll be back tomorrow. Stay tuned. Chris McCarthy has you coming up for South Coast Now. Marcus is off today. So uh, Marcus was in without Chris on Friday. Today you'll have Chris without Marcus. So now's your chance to get in all your your shots at the the progressive that you want to get. No, no. Uh, (laughs) And then, of course, we'll have uh, Bill O'Reilly and then Barry Richard. So stay tuned for all of that. Everybody out there, have a great day. And Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.